In the holy name of Jesus, amen. My first job was delivering papers for the Post Crescent, the newspaper in my uh, small to medium-sized town in Northeast Wisconsin. And I don't remember exactly how much I got paid for that job, but I do know that at least as an entry-level newsie, um, I got paid more or less depending on how many newspapers I delivered on my route every day. So more, more papers delivered meant more money, and uh, fewer papers meant less money. I grew up a little bit, and a couple years later I got a job at a local restaurant, and I, um, it, was, it was about the same thing there. The very similar logic. If you worked more, you got paid more. Show up five minutes early, you get five minutes extra pay. Show up six hours late to work, and not only would you not get paid as much, you would probably lose your job. And that is, in my experience, kind of how these things end up working. Work more, get paid more. Work less, get paid less. Um, can you imagine a place of business that just pays everyone the same, no matter what they do or don't do, or when they do or don't show up. I don't see that being a very viable business plan. At the same time, as I was delivering papers and uh, washing dishes, I was also, back then, I was still the son of my parents. And there were various rewards from time to time for this or that thing. But in general, I got the same thing every day. Whether I worked my tail off or whether I was a lazy bum who did not clean my room, I don't know if it ever happened actually, but I don't recall even once being lined up at the end of the day with my sister and being given food or shelter in proportion to how hard we had worked that day. She didn't get more than me because she worked harder and I didn't get less because I was lazier. If she was bad and I was good, we were still both fed and loved. So this parable that Jesus tells us today, it is enraging to us if we think of God as our boss rather than our father. If God is just the man upstairs who you have to go talk to every once in a while, but yet who is constantly checking to make sure that we're doing what he wants us to do, well, this story is terrible. It's awful. Because I've been in this my whole entire life, and I have served in this way and that way, shouldn't I get more? One of the things that I particularly like about our church body, the Luther Church Missouri Synod, you may remain seated, is that uh, we don't really have like a real hierarchy in our, our church with the pastors. You can't tell if a church, uh, you can't tell if a pastor is like brand new, just uh, in his first call for five minutes, or if he's been around for 40 years based on how they're dressed. They're all the same. Uh, there's other churches who, like the, the, the clergy, once they've been around longer and once they advance, they get special hats and uh, special doodads to carry around and different colors of shirts and things like that when they get to higher ranks. And that's how the world works. There's more stripes, there's more letters to get, 
In the world, there are higher and lower. There are first and last. That's what we're used to. But not in the Lord's vineyard. We would expect the kingdom of heaven, that it would be run by, uh, by an actual king, like an actual kingdom. Now, we'd expect that there'd be, like, at the bottom level, the slaves and the serfs and the workers. And then there'd be the landlords, the middle managers. And then there'd be the knights to enforce all the rules. And finally, the king at the middle who pays out to the workers what they deserve and gives them the share as they deserve it. But instead, we find that the kingdom of heaven is not a business, but a family. But doesn't he care about getting all the work done? If there's no rewards, who's ever going to do anything? It does not look like he is very worried about this at all. In fact, he does not look worried about anything. After all, in this parable, why on earth would he just keep going out and finding more and more people and even getting them at the 11th hour, calling them to go into the vineyard and work? Why would he even do that? Because he knows that they're not going to get past filling out their uh, hiring papers and they're not going to get done with anything else but watching the orientation video in the back room. They're never going to get to work that day. Well, maybe, maybe just maybe the work is already finished. It is, if we're to believe Jesus. Today, today is Septuagesima. It's wonderful. Today is one of those days when everyone in, in church, uh, there's these days when we all kind of pretend that we know Latin still, and this is one of those. Septuagesima, 70 days. So it's 70 days today before we celebrate the Lord's resurrection. Lent is 40 days long. Lent is a period of time where we are actually Israel in the wilderness for 40 years. And then we are with Christ in the, in the desert for 40 days. But then there's some extra to that. Three weeks that the church has always observed. 70 days we're counting down starting today. 70 days. We are Israel in exile for 70 years. Essentially, today... We're telling you on Septuagesima Sunday that Easter is coming up. Today, we're telling you to start making plans now. Start planning your Lent today. Lenten devotion, Lenten discipline is difficult. If you get to Ash Wednesday and all of a sudden uh, Lent has started and you didn't even plan on what to do. So start planning today. Ash Wednesday is February 17th this year. We've got a couple weeks till we get there. Plan now. During Lent, the 40 days before Easter, the church has traditionally taken up extra spiritual practices during these 40 days. Uh, if you're like me, when you were a kid, all your Catholic friends, all they knew that Lent was the time where you had to give up chocolate, and then they all, you just eat it at lunchtime when your parents can't see you doing it, I guess. But that's all I knew Lent was back then. But it's more than that. I mean, you can give up the chocolate if that's helpful for you, of course. 
Lent has been a time of 40 days where Christians have fasted. We've been doing this for thousands of years. Traditionally, this means that you just give up one meal a day, and then uh, with the money that you would have spent on that meal, you give this as alms for the poor. And then instead of spending your hour on, on lunch, you instead spend that in Scripture and meditate on the Word of God and spend that time in prayer. Other people will give up alcohol or some other vice during the season of Lent, but always with the intention of like getting it back once Easter comes around. So Lent is not the time when we're trying to give up our sinful things, okay? Like you want to do that already. Uh, Lent is not the time uh, to stop taking the Lord's name in vain. You should start doing that today and stop messing around with that stuff already. Lent is not the time where we're going to quit smoking or finally lose that weight because the point is discipline. And some of you, I know that some of you will be very faithful with this because you have been in the past. There are some of you who are going to come to every single Lenten evening prayer that we have on Wednesday evenings. There are some of you who will come to every single Eucharist that we have at noon on Wednesdays plan now. There are some of you who will be here every time you can. There are some of you who will be praying all the more and fasting for the whole 40 days of Lent, and it will be wonderful and beautiful. So it's worth noting that Lent is not just like the time when the church goes around and acts sad. No. Lent is the time when the church really prepares for a celebration because fasting and feasting always go together. And Lent is pretty much the most un-American thing that we can do because we are just used to, as Americans, saying yes to everything all the time. Lent is a time for you to remember, to actually think, to be called to work in the Lord's vineyard, where you toil and work. Toil and work for what, though? Well, remember, in the Lord's vineyard, they're just working towards making wine. For what? For a celebration. And some of you will be very good at this. Toil and work. But then there are the other ones, though. There will be some of you, there will be some of you, some who are not even hearing this right now, some who might not ever hear it, there are some who will never tune in to hear the Septuagesima sermon. There are some who will show up at the last minute. There are some who will find out on April 3rd that tomorrow morning, April 4th, that that's Easter and that that's something that I should wake up for. And maybe I should struggle out of bed on that Sunday morning. And then maybe that person who just found out mere hours before will show up here and uh, come in even late, halfway through the service even. I know that there are some of you who will do this because, well, one, I see this every single year. And two, I was once that person who found out the day before that tomorrow is Easter. And then 
There will be some others, surely, who will stumble across our Easter liturgy streaming on the internet hours after it was posted, weeks after it was posted, years, I don't know. And there will be some who will hear then, very late, very late, for the first time, the proclamation that Alleluia Christ is risen, that he is risen indeed, Alleluia. And maybe that will be the first time ever. Maybe it will be the only time ever. And what will we say then? Will we say to them, well, where have you been this whole time? How dare you come and participate in our mysteries? Don't you know what you are doing? As a professional Christian, I will tell you that these feelings rise up in my heart every Christmas and Easter. I have to actively suppress them, of course. Those feelings of who do you think you are? It's terrible. Because what I have forgotten at that time, when I have those feelings, those thoughts, is that these people, these workers, have been called and adopted through holy baptism into this holy family, into this kingdom of heaven, which rewards us not because we're good workers who have been around for a long time, but because we are children. Because our Father gives us what we need, not because we deserve it, but because we are loved and because the work has been done. It is finished. So if you are like me and can't stand these people who come in at the 11th hour and still receive the full day's pay, those people who don't know what's going on, or what to do, who have way too many questions. Know that you are begrudging the generosity of the master of the house, the Lord of heaven and earth, who has called these very workers, who is the same master who is generous enough to call you. Our reward from the Lord who has brought life through the cross, who has destroyed death forever, this reward will be given. And the first, you'll be last. You'll have to wait in line that whole time. And perhaps, perhaps there is joy of being last in that line, having been the first called and the most experienced and the ones who know what's going on. There will be joy in seeing the wonder of those who were called at the 11th hour, receiving the same gifts that were promised to those who work all day long, the same gifts that we have known for so long. For me? I mean, I just got here. You give me a full day's pain? Oh, yeah, for you. There will be joy for finding new brothers and sisters. I've seen this joy. 
because the Lord continues to call workers into this joyful vineyard of the kingdom of heaven, the very church of Christ, where we do work, not for the reward, but because the work is good, because it leads to a celebration, a feast, where we are all seated together. The last shall be first and the first shall be last, but all will be seated with Christ our Lord. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.